The following is part two of a two-part podcast, so if you're interested in understanding what's going on, make sure that you're caught up on the previous part. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like, go live in the woods if you want to be principally against, like, Birchwa. No, well, that's, that's what you're doing. Like, every time I'm like, hey, this institution exists and it's not harmful. You're like, well, it's part of bourgeois hash. Like, everything is. I, I know. I'm, yeah, I'm but aware. Like, but like, like, by, by parody of reasoning, again, like, I'm I'm against the institution of American policing, but if I were to be approached by a cop who said, uh, you know, Mr. Pogan, license and registration, please, I'm not going out of principle going to respond to the cop by saying, fuck you, pig, you piece of shit. You know, like, that's ridiculous, right? The whole... Are you yes. not complacent in the... Um legitimacy of the police state by complying with their demands this seems like a very disingenuous route no well offense, it's well because... i feel like we're, we're we're like several miles deep in a disingenuous route because it, i keep like trying to go down a line of questioning with you and then like at the end of that road there's always like well did you know this is bourgeois cap like i guess i know that it is it all is when I pay my taxes, I fund the U.S. Think, government. Look, I know. I think I, we've actually gotten to the point. Do you think there's a contradiction in someone saying they oppose, say, the institution of police and cooperating with the police when they're pulled over? Is no. there a contradiction there? I don't think there is. Oh, okay. So similarly, when I say I am against the institution of NATO, and yet I agree that there may be limited, isolated incidents of NATO intervention in causing some consequentialist good you would agree that is not a contradictory position for me to possess, right? No, it's not. But the issue is that NATO doesn't do some good, it does majority good. Thus, as an institution, it shouldn't be opposed. Your position isn't contradictory, it's just, I feel, incorrect. NATO does good things. The police, as an institution, without any replacement following their abolition, do good things. The total abolition of police would be a net negative for well, this country. Well, the replacement would be like a, like some sort of like socialist worker law enforcement apparatus and what, but that's well no wait, that's wait, wait, we have to deal with reality as, as it exists today there is no replacement for the police as it exists today in How a future society no no when we're talking about political solutions to problems like if you want to say what are you opposed to something that's not perfect then i'm opposed to everything that could possibly exist you think i would be complacent with socialism you think i would give up then i will never be satisfied but I can be relatively satisfied given the options we have on the table at the moment. Socialism is something that I think can be achieved. But when your answer to the question, what would you replace police with, is, oh, well, we would have some kind of socialist like governing for, like, okay, great. Join me in reality when you're ready. Right now, NATO can't be replaced with anything because it's a simple military alliance between constituent allied nations. Nothing could replace NATO, thus there will be nothing but NATO or its absence. And in those two worlds, one with NATO and one in absent of NATO, the one we have is better. So given that, I have to support NATO. There's no other consideration to be made. That would remain the same, the utilitarian that's calculation. That's presupposing the lack of an alternative and by, alternative? by the same token, supporting, supporting institutions that are furthering the goal of achieving socialism. Well, like what? No, no, no. It's, it's a military alliance. In which is going, which by your own admission today. would counter a socialist movement. So with its constituent nation states. So what does that Why do not oppose? Okay, so oppose both, as I do. I well, there's no point in opposing NATO because NATO has a net positive impact. What that's what not, could you replace NATO with? That's, well, I mean, NATO NATO in in its function of serving bourgeois capitalist societies would not exist. Do I don't you, have a problem do with some sort of like I don't have a problem with some sort of like international, common turn esque. Like socialist Do you understand how you it's mean. a bit frustrating when we're having a conversation about whether or not something is good or bad, and you're like completely detached from the world that we live in? I didn't. 
I didn't make any sort of like moralistic claim though. Then how can you take fault with me saying that NATO is good? If you're countering my moralistic claim, then you're making one yourself. Because when you say NATO is good, what I understand you to be saying is that NATO is good in virtue of incidents in which the consequences provided some benefit, presumably to the people in which in, that live in the country in which they intervened. That's what good means. Right, but in response to that, I'm saying, just as I can cooperate with the police when I'm pulled over and still say police as an institution should be, you know, abolished, one can similarly say, sure, there may be incidents in which NATO intervention brought some sort of consequentialist positive to the people in which, in the region that was affected, yet you can still say that NATO as an institution serves the interests of a class that, as socialists, we are fundamentally opposed to. Right, like um, foreign aid. Yeah, or the U.S. Department of Education. I, I gave a virtually identical position with respect to foreign aid. Would you get rid of foreign aid if you could? I think the existence of foreign aid provided by the U.S. presupposes bourgeois do dominance. So would you get rid of, it, rid of it if you could? Yeah, ideally I would remove the influence of bourgeois capitalism on the world no, and replace it with in socialism. in the world we live today, would you get rid of it if you could? I don't know, in like a vacuum? No, right now, in this world that we live in, would you get rid of it if you could? I mean, I can I can think of a lot of scenarios where doing that reduces the influence the U.S. has on the world in general and may increase the probability of socialist movements. So maybe it depends on the, it depends on a variety of considerations. What like considerations? That. The one I just outlined. OK. So even if foreign aid is fundamentally an extension of Western geopolitical hegemony, you would be willing to say that it shouldn't be removed if you felt the net positives outweighed the net negatives. Can you repeat the question? Sorry, I had an aneurysm. So you would be willing to keep, if you could snap your fingers and choose to get rid of it if you wanted, you would be willing to keep the concept of foreign aid even if you understood it to be an extension of Western hegemony, if you could uh, uh, arrive at the determination that it has a net positive outcome. No, I didn't say that. I thought you said you might get rid of it. Yeah, if the analysis brought about an increased probability of socialism, which I think, I, I think it actually would, because one of the things that would happen in this hypothetical is that a lot of nations would immediately be detached to like economic and material subservience to the bourgeois but that's well, a lot of people would starve that's for sure that's, well but see that's that's contingent on the acceptance of the idea that what prevents starvation in the first place is subservience to they bourgeois would capitalism. they would wait no they would starve you you know that right like wait you, do you think that if you got rid of like foreign aid all these countries would be like ah now that we're no longer slaves to western hegemony we can pr build our own productive forces and like there would be no intermediary period of like well i think i pr pr i mean like per per like a marxist analysis one of the problems there would be that it's difficult to establish a meaningful socialist movement such as the one that we're talking about while a country is simultaneously being affected by uh bur western bourgeois uh threats right that's one of the reasons that the soviet union became so um we'll say rigid and hierarchical one of the, like a major, a significant contributing factor to that was the the perception on the part of the Soviets, whether you believe it was justified or not, that they essentially had to do that, um, or they would have been simply squashed by the West, right? 
it was that like rigidity and that hierarchical nature. And I, and what does I, you this know, have to do with the fact that people would starve if you got rid of foreign aid? Because I, I think I think what you're presupposing is the idea that all that stands between these countries, um, all that stands between these countries and starvation, rather, is the acceptance of bourgeois influence. No, to foreign aid. just if you cut off foreign aid. You see, you keep like essentializing things like you're, you're saying, well, I think you believe the paradigm where the only way these countries can. No, I just think that without the foreign aid, a lot of people would starve. I don't I don't think that's an unreasonable assessment of the world. You know, do, do you think these countries, if foreign aid were to be cut off, would not take measures to be, I mean, within their capacity to do so, right? Would not take measures to be self-sufficient? Do you, do you really think that all these like black and brown people are just like sitting there in, in huts, like waiting for USA money to come in? And they're no. like, oh, if only there was less of this money coming in so we could buy less food then we would be able to develop our own country and be when did i when did i say anything to that effect i i have no like you're you're arguing right now that the prosperity of these like developing countries would go up if they had less money no i'm saying that one of it, it seems like what you're saying is that there's a negative outcome in virtue of the the cessation of foreign aid that negative outcome being for instance starvation what i'm saying is i'm not entirely sure that these countries in such a hypothetical would not take steps to uh, ensure their own self-sufficiency. Here's an example. Wait, then why does um, any group I realize starve? I just, just, well, let me give you an example, right? One of the things that countries like the DPRK and Cuba have done um, because of their opposition to the West, right? Noted for their lack of starvation within their borders. Well, I'm not contesting that. I'm saying that regardless of what you think of the initial like parts of, of planning, which, you know, fair enough, right? Nobody's going to say that those countries are perfect, but Cuba in particular um, and the USSR under Stalin circa, I think it was like the 30s or 40s, but those countries, despite the lack of significant foreign aid and foreign capital entering their country, were able to, at minimum, provide for their citizens in a manner that corresponded roughly more or less with the West. In fact, there is a pretty... I don't know if infamous is the right word, but there's a pretty famous The, the, the DPRK CIA has managed to provide a standard of living in their country comparable to the West? No, of course not. I, I didn't say anything about like a comparable standard of living overall. We're talking about food. And the example think... that I was going to give was the Wait, USSR. Wait, they're not comparable to us in food. They're famously I didn't say, you're, you're misunderstanding. I'm not you're misunderstanding. I'm not saying and, yeah, North literally... Korea gets a ton of aid from China as well. Also, the, the Cuba got a ton of aid from the Soviet Union. Both of these countries only exist because they got propped up by their local, like, geopolitical powerhouse. Yeah, but that's even if they receive foreign aid from other social, or even if they receive foreign aid from other socialist countries, it's still like credence to the point that they were able to provide for themselves absent the influence of Western bourgeois North Korea forces. has not been able to provide for itself. Well, I, I certainly think, like, overall, year by year, their economy is improving. I'm not contesting that North not Korea has problems. Really? Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not contesting that the DPRK doesn't have problems. Clearly it does. But they have, year after year, made very, very gradual but meaningful improvements, despite the continued existence of U.S. sanctions that negatively affect their capacity to even be self-sufficient in the first place. It's not merely the lack of, of Western aid, right? It's... The lack of Western aid, especially in the case of Cuba and the, DRP, the DPRK, in addition to very aggressive, aggressive Western-backed sanctions. In the case of Cuba, sanctions, by the way, that internationally are pretty much only supported by the U.S. and I think Israel, 
right? So North Korea's economy get, hasn't been growing though. It um yeah, it collapsed steadily after the fall of the Soviet Union, and then it swelled a little bit, but it's been going back down, it seems, since 2016. No, I accept that it ebbs and flows. I merely said that given the consideration that, one, they they have minimal to non-existent Western... I, I think, like, under Clinton, they, they I got mean, under, some... They get tons of aid from China, and, like, tons of people still starve within them, so I'd say they're doing pretty badly. I don't wait, know. I okay, don't know why well, you're wait. defending this hill. I don't. I don't even know how we got here. Like wait, you're arguing wait, 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 that wait, 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 wait a second, cutting off wait a mutual second. aid do, do wouldn't you... prevent or wouldn't cause starvation. When, when the question is when the question is Western bourgeois federal uh, federal Jesus Western um, bourgeois aid. aid is certainly preferable to whatever the fuck is happening in North Korea, and it's not meaningfully distinguishable from what the Soviet Union or China did either. Like, do you think China isn't? giving loans on the precondition that it's beneficial for their capitalist economy? Well, that, that ties into the question that I was going to ask. So in the case of, like, Cuba prior to the collapse of the USSR, if we're talking about economic productivity and starvation and food supplies absent Western aid, right, for, uh, absent foreign aid, how is it, it, it a counter to the point that I'm making at all to say that, like, for instance, the Soviet Union provided Cubans aid? Because the point is, those, regardless of whether or not you think they're socialist, Cuba and the USSR, at minimum, were certainly not Western bourgeois countries, right? Why no, is there a problem they were with Eastern like, bourgeois countries? You think the USSR and Cuba were bourgeois? Um, I think that the Soviet Union was. I don't know much about the level of development that Cuba was able to attain, but why yeah, was absolutely. just yeah? Why why was the USSR bourgeois? Because the entirety of the state's industry was controlled by like this tiny cabinet of incredibly powerful. Uh, entities who didn't directly own all of the state's industries, but basically did by um, slowing off resources from the top and by having direct control over how they produced. I mean, it wasn't ownership in the traditional structure, but that's mostly because they were LARPing as communists. I mean, state capitalism is like bourgeois is like a specifically like capitalist term, right? Yeah, but what what they did was they took like bourgeois and they made it worse. Like, so technically, I wouldn't use bourgeois to like apply to them, but what they had was like worse. Like, they were farther from socialism than the United States was at that time. Like, they were they were worse off than we were towards socialism. So it's it's true they weren't like bourgeois. They were super bourgeois. Like they were Hitler bourgeois. So like you're right, it wasn't bourgeois. I should be more clear, but yeah. So. Like I don't even I don't even like know how we got to this, really. Um, I just because 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 you were talking about the you were asking me like about like foreign aid to which I said well I'm like talking about an outcome where the you know one of the obstacles I think it to the establishment of socialism is foreign aid. The reason being, sorry, I had to burp. The reason being foreign aid. Um, is coercive, right? It makes these countries, at least on some level, subservient to the interests of the Western bourgeois. And Do you think we should get rid of welfare? Be... No, of course not. Not, not unilaterally. Wait, why not? I mean, like, what do you mean by welfare? Conceptually, of course not. Why not? I think the... All welfare right now is merely a placating force created by Western bourgeois interests in order to sate the working class and prevent proletarian revolution. Uh, if it weren't for the welfare, which numbs and, um, and, 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 and sort of ingratiates the working class to the state, the capitalist bourgeois state, uh, they would be more free to develop internal productive forces, work on their mutual aid skills, and develop the antagonism necessary for proletarian revolution. 
Yeah, but this isn't something where we're just like taking away food from the third world. Because I was very li careful. You're literally talking oh. about taking away. You're no, no, no. directly, on, on, unambiguously on, on. talking about taking food away from the third world. No, I'm not. I was very nuanced in my answer. No, you, so you literally I were talking saying, about taking food away from the third world. That is directly... Like, you would have, like, starving African kids. Like, one month, they get, like, food, and the next month, it's like, oh, yeah, President... The pre pre President Socialism has decided that actually it was more better for us that we not get food. And then they would so, starve. So I'll, I'll, cl I'll clear up my position, and then we can go back to NATO, because we're we're very much off the, off the tracks here. So what I said was, much as I have the view of NATO that, like, there can be particular instances... Uh, or some like consequentialist analysis of NATO actions yields a good, you can still oppose the institution of NATO, right? Similarly, sure, there may be instances of foreign aid that yield some consequential good, but in spite of that, the institution of foreign aid still serves the interests of the bourgeois. Now, that does not mean that I would like, right now, snap my fingers, eliminate foreign aid. I support I'm merely, foreign aid, I, for what it's worth. No, I, I get that. But I, I'm, I'm very careful in not saying that I would just like snap my fingers and plunge the third world into a nightmare hellscape. It's, it's much NATO? more nuanced than that. But going back to NATO, as you just pointed out, I'm trying to get you to understand that regardless of these individual isolated consequentialist analyses, where you know you can say, for instance, in Yugoslavia, as I, as I've agreed, that NATO intervention likely yielded some good. It's still the case that this institutional support for NATO, this this um, backing of NATO, this idea of being okay with NATO expansion and the induction of new states is something that even in spite of those individual consequentialist analyses still serves the interests of the bourgeois. And you don't even have to be like out here saying, fuck NATO, you, NATO sucks. At the very least, it, it seems odd given somebody of your platform who speaks to so many people and wants to convince them of socialist ideals to simultaneously say we should be backing the bourgeois. Does that make sense? No, is that's that... like saying I'm backing the bourgeois by supporting welfare, which is also a bourgeois capitalist institution. You always have to go back to that essentialism. I'm not backing the bourgeois. I'm supporting the existence of an institution that does good things. Every institution in existence that comes out of the West is in some way a component of Western bourgeois interest. It is an inescapable thing. That's why it's called a hegemon. Do so... you want to replace that hegemon? Yeah, I want to replace the hegemon, but I don't think okay, getting rid okay, of NATO so... will do that. In fact, after glorious socialist revolution, I would want NATO mm. too, electric boogaloo, because I'm fine with NATO. I'm totally okay with it. If we if and we like, got rid of it, I'd build it you, back you would want You would want NATO in a socialist context. I want NATO in any context, because I think the military alliance in its current form is uh, uh, provides a net benefit. If all, if all the constituent countries uh, that made it up were socialist... That would be cool. I would prefer that. Don't get me wrong. But given that we don't live in that world, and I'm choosing right now between whether NATO does good or does bad, it seems like a utilitarian assessment lends credence to the idea that it does good. Yeah, but but the, the very people that we're talking about, the very class that we're referring to, the bourgeois, right, is the same class of people that will always engage in this, like, lesser of two evilism, this, this, this sort of, like, defeatist attitude, right? There's always going to be some sort of humanitarian crisis. There's always going to be some sort of immediate, urgent action that justifies NATO. It has nothing to well, do with immediate, urgent actions. It has nothing to do with interventionist crises. But when it you, but when you vocally do with whether it does good or bad, I understand. But when you, when you support this as vocally as you do to as many people as you speak to, right? 
people come maybe maybe there's nuance that I'm missing, but people come away perceiving your position to be the preferable route instead of engaging in things like uh, supporting workers' parties, you know, supporting like the international proletariat. Are you are you is... in favor of people getting vaccinated? Sure. Okay, I am as well. Do you think that when I say, hey, you all should get your vaccine, people who are anti-vaxxers are dumb, do you think I'm ennobling my audience against criticisms towards the pharmaceutical industry? Do you think that's me being a pro-pharma shill? I think that's just analogous. Hold on. Do you not think that? Do I think you're telling your audience to to like the government to, because that you want them to get vaccinated? Like the pharmaceutical the... industries. If I say you guys should get vaccinated, do you think that's me saying like, don't criticize the pharmaceutical industry, this is the best world, like everything the pharmaceutical industry does is good? Or do you think I'm just saying you should get vaccinated? How is this analogous to NATO? Why do you never answer my questions when I ask them? I do. Because you're suggesting right now that the issue with me being in support of NATO is that I'm actually promoting support of Western hegemony. When I'm not, I criticize it all the time. I'm only providing support for NATO. And I've been pretty clear in my distinction here. Western hegemony leads our nation states to do lots of bad things, but they would do them with or without NATO. The presence of NATO contributes several unique outcomes, the majority of which I feel are good. And since we have to assess the moral worth of something based on its unique outcomes, the same reason we wouldn't criticize a flag lest the nation underneath it does something wrong or good or bad or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. I have to say then that NATO is a net good while opposing Western hegemony. And I complain about Western hegemony all the time. I've done big research streams. I've talked about the World Bank and the IMF. I've gotten to big arguments about it. I think that I've been fairly rigorous and straightforward in my opposition to the ways in which the West has a stranglehold on the politics of the world. But NATO itself, I feel like a lot of leftists are doing themselves and the socialist movement wrong by fixating on it. First of all, it makes us look like lunatics when we fixate on like how NATO is negative, um, in large part because like nobody knows or cares about NATO. It's like completely irrelevant to the concerns of the average member of the working class. But you, Unless but you, you live in Eastern Europe, in which sure case not. it provides a net good because people in those countries know every single day that it is because of America and Western political hegemony that they're able to not be another Georgia or another Ukraine or another, you know, la-di-da. Um, uh, or another Crimea, you know, they understand it. So, like, leftists fixate on NATO, like it's like the arm of Western hegemony. No, it's not. The U.S. dollar is. It's not. It's not. It's not NATO. NATO is not the instrument through which America is the most powerful force on earth. It is the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar is the global trading currency. Uh, nation states, especially weaker ones, can only get the U.S. dollar if they get it through us. Only our banks, only our treasury produces it. Our banks loan it. So given that, they have to work with us in order for their economies to be able to participate in the global market. That puts us in a preferential position. That's the thing right there. That's capitalism. NATO, eh. I don't think it does shit. I don't think getting rid of NATO would make anyone's life better, and I think it'd make a lot of people's lives worse. Now, if you could replace all of it with a whole, like, well, instead of NATO, I want communism. Like, okay, sure, fine. But, you know, I could precondition any dichotomy with that. Like, do I want chocolate or vanilla? Well, I want communism. It's like, okay, you know, we're not really talking about ice cream at that point. Do you, can you see, though, that the support for NATO and NATO's expansion, absent meaningful criticism of NATO as an institution that serves Western hegemon. I'm not criticizing seems... NATO. What'd you say, sorry? I'm not criticizing NATO. That's my point. You, you're, you're wholesale endorsing NATO and advocating for its expansion, which serves the interests of Western hegemon, which is something you oppose, right? Um, so... In this instance, no. In the same way that it supports the interest of the Western hegemony to provide um, additional um, child tax credits because it prevents a proletarian revolution, I still support Biden's plan 
to cut child poverty in half. Okay, but the, the point is that like there's there's a huge disanalogy between the examples you provided earlier and a military organization that by your own admission, um, one, becomes stronger when new members are inducted into it. You said you wanted NATO to expand. By that, I'm assuming you mean new member states. Two, yeah, absolutely. It's an right. It's an institution that, per your own admission, um, is in the event of any meaningful socialist movement would squash that movement. Something contrary Which to the Which would happen with or without NATO, and thus isn't relevant in the utilitarian calculus. Hey, but I'm saying that that it would happen with or without it, why endorse something that makes the position of the people that would squash it stronger? Because I don't think it does. If that was the if the US needed NATO to squash socialist movements during the Cold War, it would have. D it if there was let's go back to the thought experiment. If there was an international proletarian which which of these two things is going to be more effective at combating it? The US alone or NATO? Well, practically speaking, if it's a nuclear country, neither um, and if it's a non-nuclear country, America could do it with one arm tied behind its back. I mean, if we really want to talk geopolitics, NATO is primarily a defensive institution in its outcomes. You, because but you any, would agree, uh, this is besides the point, though. Would you agree that NATO is going to be, like, the U.S., with NATO's help, is going to be more effective at combating that revolution than the U.S. alone? No. Why? Because, that just seems, like, straightforwardly entailed, though. Because if it's a nuclear country that we're dealing with, it wouldn't matter. And if it's a non-nuclear country, then America can do everything on its own and we don't need any help. I think it is, again, no offense, I mean this kindly. The idea of saying that in a hypothetical socialist revolution, a global one, the U.S. is not stronger against that movement with the help of NATO as opposed to without the help what, of NATO? Tell, tell me, what global movement, sure. what global movement exactly would, um, oh dear. What global movement exactly would America not be able to handle that NATO would? I'm just trying to get you to agree that NATO plus the U.S. would be stronger than the no, U.S. It, alone. No, it doesn't matter. We can do anything in the world. What would NATO do to help us? More troops, equipment, vehicles, what, what, arms, what do we need resources. Against, against who? What countries? Where in the world? Let's say every country besides U.S. and NATO says tomorrow this is a thought experiment so bear with me says mm -hmm. tomorrow you know what i'm sick of these neoliberal bastards it's time for socialism and they revolt against their existing governments right okay. in that hypothetical based. in that hypothetical i agree very based in that hypothetical which of these two things is stronger in combating that one the u.s two u.s plus nato there's no difference you know why yes that's an insane state no it isn't i don't you know why how because even if NATO didn't exist, all the US those countries. Not the Taliban, even if NATO didn't exist, all those other countries would just act in their same interests anyway. The existence of getting mad at NATO is like getting angry at a flag. There's no difference. If your issue is with the military and global hegemon of the West, then yeah, that is the deciding factor. In terms of NATO, imagine like imagine getting rid of NATO, like finger snapping, and then the outcome that you just described take place. You really think the rest of the world, all the former NATO nations, uh, they wouldn't just do the same thing anyway? They wouldn't just band together? Getting mad at NATO is, is so senseless. The institution right, but as that we you're said, arguing that against just be, is the That would, that would be NATO in another name. Another well, name the, right? Then you're arguing against a force of reality. You're essentially saying, like, let's get really angry at this thing that's a fundamental principle of nation states with same interests. Which is, by the way, my position. Like, it's, it's pointless. You, cause, because there's no positive outcome here. 
like you rail against NATO, like, oh, let's get America out of NATO, la di da di da we leave NATO, and then what happens the next time there's a big global conflict? All of Western Europe joins America anyway. They're, like, and, and like, what was that all for? It was nothing. The only countries whose presence in NATO makes any real difference are the Baltic countries and uh, Poland stuff. Those countries feel a real difference because those countries wouldn't be under our blanket and don't have our same interests all the time anyway. Uh, also possibly Turkey, but for different reasons. Um, the, uh, like, those are the real differences that we're talking about here. But if you want to talk about military strategy, if the rest of the world banded together, even if it weren't for the fact that NATO nations would act their own interests, i.e. together, anyway, that wouldn't change the fact that we're now talking about a nuclear conflict. Um, in a nuclear conflict, America is every bit as capable of ending the world as America plus the rest of the NATO nations. We have enough missiles on our own. Uh, there would be no change in outcome whatsoever, even if we didn't act in shared interests. All this together, it just seems like focusing on NATO is not worthwhile. And while all the ephemeral negatives that you put forward I can dismiss, you can't dismiss the fact that the presence of NATO in Eastern Europe does keep Russia at bay. Yeah, I'm just saying that given the given the consideration of which is a worse imperialist power, right? West, what, do, the what do you mean by worst imperialist power? Uh, in terms of its threat to the interests of workers. Okay, I don't think NATO. I think actually, I think NATO is a net benefit for workers um, because uh, socialism that, it, is more likely to thrive in liberal democracies than in fascist states, and Russia is a fascist state. So keeping Russia's hands off of Eastern Europe increases the likelihood of socialist movements in those countries developing. I, given given the relative strength of the two powers in consideration here, saying that NATO is not the more significant threat to inter to workers internationally. How is it? What, what to, threat? Well, we've already agreed that they would squash a socialist stop, revolution. Wait, stop with that. The countries that make up NATO would, either way. And, and they are stronger with NATO no, than without it. As I've said, no. So we're talking about you. what changes NATO's existence makes. And by the way, it's not like Russia doesn't stomp out leftist movements, you know, they're not... They're I'm, like... I'm opposed, to, just to be clear, I'm, a, I'm not, like, I'm not infrared. I'm opposed to Russia. I don't support Russia. I'm just saying, because these are two imperialist powers, we should be opposed to both of them. However... I am opposed to it. it I don't think NATO is really imperialism. Do you, okay, do you, do you it think It prevents that... imperialism. You don't think the U you don't think the U.S. through NATO has engaged in imperialism by... One in in basically getting European states to join it through per your own admission coercion. Two, wait, no, acting, wait, hold on, stop, wait, no, 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 stop. Yeah, you keep ahead. you keep misrepresenting me really quickly. Every international engagement involves implicit coercion. I do not think that the methods by which NATO acquires new signatures to their treaty involves any degree of unique coercion. I do yeah, with the all, IMF and World Bank. Not all coercion is the same, though, right? Like, not yeah. all coercion is equal. That is my point. But if, if literally everything, every treaty that's ever going to be signed between multiple nations involves implicit coercion because the stakes are so high. So no, so this whole, like, uses coercion to push other countries in NATO, I don't buy that. That ha like, that's, that's like, that's like trying to menacingly describe the way in which people look at each other, like, glares them down across the signatures table. Like, it, it's just, it's a non-descriptor. Okay, so I, I'm not really sure what else is to be said here that, that hasn't already been said. It seems like... What harm what, does NATO do? Position, well, we've already been over that. I think NATO is an active threat to the potential for a meaningful socialist How? movement internationally. What does NATO do that the, uh, that the countries within NATO couldn't just effortlessly do exactly the same way without the point NATO? Is, the point is that that action is made stronger by the existence of NATO than without it. How? 
what, what so so far i like you've given an example here and i rebuked it you said if the rest of the world came together well the rest of the world has nukes so do you think okay conflict. here's here's a here's a good example do you think the probability of american victory in vietnam would have been higher had nato stepped in and helped the united states in vietnam no do you think the why um because like logistically what we were doing in vietnam see first of all um if the other countries had gotten actually wait hold on i wonder if the world would be a better place if we had our presence in vietnam contributed to a massive anti-war movement that ended up destabilizing internal political systems and contributed to our lack of interest in continued fighting for the cold war i genuinely wonder if other countries getting involved in the same quagmire as us would have actually been better in the long run also our glorious american soldiers probably would have killed more Viet Cong than their people they might have just clogged things up and made things worse for our troops. I genuinely don't know. It's like, is it better? Was the, point, was the point there to say that you think it might be possible that NATO intervention in Vietnam would have been morally good? It might have been a shared defeat. Like the crushing, like moral defeat that America suffered might have been felt across the board, which might have contributed broadly to an end to collective war efforts. I don't, I don't know if that's true, mind you. I'm just and wondering if that is might it, have is been. It, I understand, but is it see this like purely when you make these purely consequential like calculations? That's how morals work for my moral system. So that is how all of my things are going to go. Yeah, but I mean, like this, this is I mean, even with just the United States intervening in Vietnam, the destruction to the Vietnamese people and their country was fucking massive. Uh -huh. It would have absolutely it would have been substantially worse with the assistance of NATO, presumably. Um, possibly, so possibly not. Um, it's possible that a collective NATO when you, when you say possibly, when you say possibly, like I look, one country militarily versus a group of countries militarily, and you're it, you've said multiple times you don't think the the group of countries is going to be militarily more effective than the one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I keep trying to answer why, and you keep cutting me off, but. Uh, yeah. So the issue with Vietnam was a morale one, not a resources one. If it was all down to resources, America would have won. Of course we would have won. We killed 10 Viet Cong for every one of ours that died. Obviously we were winning. The issue was a morale one and political... It's very complicated. I'm simplifying hugely here. But from what I've read and from what I understand, it seems like the systems that were in place with Vietnam, the reason we failed, had more to do with the fact that it was an unwinnable war. Uh, the goals we had laid out in Vietnam were not ones which could be achieved. It just it it just didn't work. It wasn't a sensible conflict from our perspective to begin with. Not morally, not logistically. So I don't think manpower would have changed much. Yeah, other countries did participate too. It wasn't it wasn't just America. Um, yeah, I know. We have I the know. largest military by far. I wonder if like a full NATO intervention had happened. I wonder because the only NATO interventions we've ever really seen were like a light bombing campaign in Yugoslavia, light compared to Vietnam, of course. I mean, not even close in comparison to total war or whatever. Um, and and what happened, the, the no-fly zone Libya, you know, alongside like the troops that were deployed and then the UN and blah, blah, blah. So I actually wonder if NATO had gotten involved and that had been... And that had been like a like a broader NATO coalition. There's, there's a counter example. Just so, just to be clear, there's a counter example to this, which is, well, I guess you might disagree. Let's let's just ask. Do you think um, the conclusion of the initial combat operations in Iraq on the part of coalition forces would have been slower, faster, or the same had the coalition just been the U.S.? Uh, the same. 
Oh, 100% the same, yeah. The only reason other countries, the coalition forces joined in with Iraq is so they could all be butt buddies with America. We didn't, I, need, I, we didn't need any of their equipment at all. In fact, I, I think you could actually argue it would have been faster not having to deal with, like, like letting England catch up with us, like we're carrying them on a leash or whatever. We're the American military. We could bury the planet if we wanted to. Like, we don't... Yeah, we don't... We don't we yeah, don't but we lost, we lost in Vietnam. We couldn't... And Afghanistan. Well, we... Well, we didn't and, lose and arguably Korea. Well, it depends on what you mean by lose. The Vietnam was an unwinnable thing because logistically the Well, this is kind of my point. My point is that numbers don't always make the difference. You're supporting my point right there. Despite the fact that America bodied Vietnam in every like logistical military consideration, we still pulled out. They still won. So it seems like the actual total number of troops isn't really the determining factor. There are other considerations. Yeah, but the, the, the primary the primary uh, motivation for U.S. withdrawal from Vietnam was political pressure from home, namely that people were sick of seeing, like, 18, 19, 20-year-old American kids getting blown up, shot, and put on, like, punji sticks. Good, have it be done by of... NATO. Have all the European countries, all the bitch babies in the uh, Western Europe see what it feels like to have their soldiers die on TV. That'd yeah, probably pull us out. Well, you th if you think hardy I, American can, soldiers can, weren't can put off by what, what happened in Vietnam, imagine French moms seeing their kids die on TV. We would have been out of Vietnam. Well, actually, they were done with Vietnam way before us. Um, maybe not Viet Maybe not French. I don't know. Swiss? Are they in NATO? No, they're not in NATO. You know what I'm talking you about. Know, I, 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 right, but if, if the primary consideration was the disproportionate number of American fatalities in Vietnam and public exposure to that fact that led to U.S. withdrawal from Vietnam. The point there is, it seems to follow that the presence, the more significant presence, I should say, of other countries in the Vietnam War would have, at least on some level, um, caused that to be like more suppressed, in the, if for no other reason than other countries would have borne some at, of the brunt the, of the at casualties. At the right? end of the day, I think we're getting into a really yes. like granular conversation about like what the likelihood or odds of this that or support is i do not think there is any realistic scenario where the united states wants to smash a socialist movement in the world and is unable to because they don't have the support of nato if we really unable, want to I do something more effective with nato we would win either way. I just, th this is such an abstract conversation because the tens of millions of people who don't get to be invaded by Russia every day because of NATO is a real thing. And right now we're talking about like, ah, yes, well, of course, I know all these countries would just mass socialist revolutions anyway. And I know America can do basically everything on its own anyway. But hypothetically, if we imagine this very incredibly niche specific situation where a socialist movement develops, then maybe in this one instance, NATO would do worse. Like this is, this is very much like a, like a, a, incredibly granular hypothetical compared to the crushing totality of the reality that is uh russia's like aggression in eastern europe is there some like possibility like some marginal chance that a socialist movement might be worse off because nato gets involved no because all the constituent countries of nato would just do it anyway there's no situation in which nato makes the difference we would have done all that shit in yugoslavia the same we would have so done was, all that shit like, in libya the same we can do sure. whatever we want there's nothing that stops us nato just protects some people who don't have that power it seems like i was just correct in pointing out that this is a defeatist position that you're saying that at least what partially right partially what motivates the support for nato um because you agreed like they would they would squash a socialist revolution is that it would happen anyway therefore per defeatism there's no point in opposing nato 
Is that a fair summary of your position, or do you think that's like a misrepresentation? Because that strikes me as an, an immensely defeatist view. I think it's a misrepresentation because my actual statement is that if you care about preventing the squashing of a socialist revolution, you are literally wasting your time focusing on NATO because its absence would make no difference. It is a strategic failing on your but that's, part. that hasn't been substantiated. No, it, it has difference. because the, the, the Western nations would just work in their own shared interests anyway. The only reason NATO exists is because all these countries want to do the same thing anyway. What you, the defeatism would be me saying there's nothing we can do about this bad system. I'm not saying that. I think we can do things about um, Western hegemony, which I encourage people to learn about and fight against. I'm not defeatist in this respect. Defeatism here is the idea like, um, or with respect to my problem, it's just that like getting rid of NATO, A, can't be done because you can't get rid of military alliances as a concept. B, would have no outcome and therefore would be a massive waste of time. And C, hurts the socialist movement because it directs our attention towards something that is optically and logistically unsupportable. Especially, like imagine being anti-NATO right now with Ukraine being invaded. Like, how stupid does this make us look to liberals? Here we have somebody like Putin. So we're already branded as like Russophiles who are like obsessed with Russia, like leftists are, like that's the, the, the stereotype against us. And here we have this chance to prove like, no, the international socialist community stands against the horrendous behavior of Russia. And instead, what do we get? People hand-wringing over like, well, what Russia's doing is bad, but like NATO's really bad too. It's like, first of all, NATO doesn't have shit to do with this conflict. And second of all, who the fuck cares? Well, like, wait, 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 wait. NATO, NATO is arming and funding Ukraine. No, it's not. Countries and, and, in and NATO are funding Ukraine. Sure. NATO is not funding Ukraine. That's the point. Everything NATO does would be done by their constituent nations anyway. Yeah, and in a hypothetical combat situation between Russia, which, again, bad imperialist force, I agree, and... Well, if say, they invade I mean, Poland, sure. Right. What I'm struggling to understand is why one would accept that the combat effectiveness of what we'll call the Western bourgeois, right, is somehow equal with and without NATO. I'm well, not clearly NATO not getting involved hasn't changed our in, like involvement in this particular conflict, because we would just do the same shit anyway. The 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 alliance that you're referring to is is an in, inimicable component of the fact that we have shared interests. That's how alliances work. NATO is just a codification, which for the most part only puts to paper things that would happen anyway. The only Do you real think difference we should replace is replace that with an alliance that is socialist. We can't, yes, I agree. We should replace capitalism with socialism. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, like, I I don't have a problem with the with like conceptually the idea of like a multinational alliance. I just take issue with the fact that the, the currently existing multinational alliance serves the interests of the bourgeois. Then you don't have an inter you don't have a problem with the alliance then. You have a problem with the underlying countries. I have a problem with capitalism, yeah. With neoliberal capitalism, yes. But I think I, I have no problem with like a hypothetical common turn type thing, you know, similar to NATO with membership not, with, with members with member states that are socialist. But we're not get. that's not, there are no states that are socialist. We're not getting that. It's not happening. Yeah, but I mean, again, part of the reason that there are no states that are socialist is because the the organization NATO was formed in direct response to, regardless no. of whether you think it's, it's socialist or not, the Wait, USSR. Wait, what does NATO have and, to do and, and just, with whether just, or not well, there are so Wait, no, no, no. What does NATO have to do with whether or not there are any socialist countries? Wait, but you, you agreed that 
in the hypothetical where there was a socialist revolution. That there is no, no, no. You said you said you said past tense. I'm answering your question. No, question. you said past tense that they did. What what have they done to prevent socialism? I think the existence of NATO implicitly threatens socialist movements because it's a Western bourgeois military organization. But if there wasn't NATO, then they'd be off the hook. Repeat the question, sorry. But if if there wasn't a NATO, all the socialist revolutions would be off the hook. I think NATO makes it harder for those things to succeed. Where? Where, obviously, where obviously in the world? The US... What do you mean? Like what? What again? Like we're dealing with tens of millions of people who are being prevented, like from Russia from invading. We're talking about real human lives here. What? Mm -hmm. Tell me where? What socialist movement is NATO going to stop that they couldn't stop without NATO, just with the constituent countries that make up NATO? You've already agreed that they would take action against a socialist revolution. But it would happen without NATO too. Ergo, NATO isn't the issue here. This is like taking issue with the flag. Like, do you agree that like the the American flag would be flown on tanks that would be rolled into crush a socialist revolution? At the point, well, gosh, yes, gosh, and then you'd gosh. be like, well, we should yeah. change the flag then. I have a problem with the flag. Like, no, the country is the issue there. The point is, when you say you're opposed to Western hegemon, and you're opposed to like bourgeois Western capitalism, but you say you support NATO, not only are you supporting an institution subservient to the interests of the West. Same with bourgeois, every institution in the West, including the welfare state, but go on, and social security. Yeah, but look, me again, back to the analogy, me saying, me like interacting with a cop in a lawful manner is not the same thing as like tacit endorsement of the police, but you're going beyond mere tacit endorsement you're saying specifically, not only do I support NATO, I think NATO should expand. Yes, because it's good. Right. So, so the Western hegemony isn't. That would be analogous to me saying, like, I'm a socialist and I want the police, an institution that serves the capitalist bourgeois and negatively affects workers. Not only do I like the police, okay, I want the police if you to could expand, choose which, right now, which directly wait, hurts workers, right? Could, if you could choose right now between the police existing as they are or the complete absence of police in the West, which would you choose? I mean, I don't think I don't think the conditions in the West right now are going to be conducive to the sudden erasure of the police being so. Just yeah, it's just beneficial. would you Thanos snap the police out of existence or not? Absent a replacement. Absent a replacement. I don't think the conditions necessary for the replacement of the police yet exist. Okay, so you believe that if it's up to police or no to, police, to be clear, to be right clear, now. To be clear, that doesn't mean I support the police, though. You get that. Well, if supporting something is contingent upon alternatives. So I support the, I, Vosh, support the police if the only alternative is absolutely no criminal justice system. I do not support the police if reforms are possible, which they are. With regards to NATO, people talk about getting rid of NATO. So it is a dichotomy between its existence or its absence, with no reforms laid out but you there. Do you, do you think that when people talk about, quote-unquote, getting rid of NATO, they mean, like, Thanos, Thanos snapping it out of existence? existence literally, literally, yes. People, the DSA literally said, we need to get America out of NATO, which is the yeah, equivalent the, of removing police from America. Yeah, yeah, the DSA is full of goofballs, I agree. But what Wait, I'm that's saying what everyone is that says. So what do you, you want to reform NATO? No, I'm saying I want to abolish the apparatus that, at least in some capacity, no, enforces you don't. The will. You don't get to do that this time. You said you, you gave an answer to question? the police hypothetical, uh, assuming existing conditions, not this whole like well under different circumstances it would be different type thing. So, with the circumstances in which we live today, would you keep or get rid of NATO? 
Um, I, I see. I'm. It's going to depend on whether or not the sudden erasure of NATO, um, either a benefits the international working class and is conducive to socialism, or b, um, just results in like the its replacement through like a Russian capitalist, you know, framework. What I will say is that I think that one of the most significant obstacles for a lot of people who identify with the international proletariat is the the implicit threat that is provided by NATO's existence what? to Where? any meaningful Marxist movement. Where? Where? Well, I said internationally. Okay, where? Because we, no, no, we've, we've already established that NATO is more than happy to step out of bounds in Europe. Stop saying that. I've clarified this a million times. If America does it through NATO or not, listen, okay, America has been complicit in the overthrow of dozens of socialist governments and has used NATO for mm. none of them. None. Zero. So stop with the ascription of behavior, which I have clarified a thousand times, is because of America. Whether or not they do it through NATO is immaterial. Do you think those socialist movements are better off or worse when the tanks above them carry a NATO or an American flag? Or is there no difference? There's none. And America hasn't needed NATO before. So stop. No, people around the world don't fear NATO, you Westerner. They fear America. Marxist movements in Latin America don't fear NATO. That's your Western perspective seeping in. You project onto them. They fear America. Because America is the problem. Not NATO. NATO hasn't invaded Latin America. NATO hasn't invaded Southeast Asia. Nor will it. It has no reason to. If the countries that make up NATO want to engage in behavior over there, they would do it on their own without all the legalese bullshit they would need to invoke and all the humanitarian justifications they would need to invoke to get an Article 5 commission drafted. They could just do it themselves. Or we could do what we've been doing for decades and just pay mercenary groups and fund money illicitly towards fascist uh, 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 like insurrection movements. We don't do need you think NATO. Somebody, do you think somebody would be wrong? Well, somebody's a little vague. Do you think international workers are wrong to fear a potential NATO reaction to a meaningful Marxist movement, given the fact that NATO intervened in Yugoslavia and Libya, justification aside? Well, considering because, the fact that those had nothing to do with social, yes, I, I would know, call them retards to their face. Well, the point isn't that it, look, the socialism question is only relevant here because what is going to be necessary for NATO to intervene is a perceived significant threat to Same with America. I, I will call them. Find me. I will learn Vietnamese to tell them so if they don't speak yeah, English. But, but I. But I'm saying back to like the Vietnamese point. I think it's it's more than reasonable to say that a coalition of countries is a more effective fighting force than one. Well, uh, well, in the thirty or so times we've overthrown socialist leaders, we haven't needed them yet. Actually, given the fact that most overthrows of socialist governments use subterricious methods that are usually employed and led by our intelligence agencies, that kind of lends credence to the idea that NATO intervention would actually be against our interest, because a gigantic NATO intervention would draw a massive amount of international attention to a really bad political action, whereas getting the CIA to fund a bunch of thugs uh, somewhere in uh, the Catalonia or whatever is actually quite a bit quieter and more effective at causing like social unrest, you know? I, like, if anything, like, NATO might be to the benefit, because at least then there will be some news. Like, do you know how much, um, how many news crews there were in Yugoslavia and Libya? Like, there were quite a few. How many news crews were there in Honduras? Right? Like, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe the Marxist movements around the world are praying that NATO gets involved. So finally, sympathetic Westerners might at least 
know the nature of their plight. Better than the CIA getting involved, you know? Yeah, I think I'm just saying something like, I don't take it to be unreasonable from the perspective of somebody who exists in really any country for some sort of like hypothetical Marxist movement per your agreement that meaningfully challenges Western hegemon. It doesn't seem unreasonable for that movement to perceive NATO to be a threat to their aims. Well, like I said, their perceptions may or may not be indicative of retardation. I don't know. I, but I, I mean, I mean, but just just to, just to back that up, like I understand, like part, the the official line for Libyan intervention was to uh, quell Gaddafi forces, like you know, slaughtering the population. But he all he did was try to. Well, not all, but you know what I mean. One of the things he did was try to create an African gold-backed currency, and that attempt, regardless of whether or not uh, of how like fruitful it would have been in the long run, was sufficient for it to be a consideration um, on the part of the U.S. State Department. Lots of when things they, are considerations. When they when they when they advocated for and um, basically gave the green light for NATO bombing. The, no, that's conspiratorial. A number of justifications were made. The State Department's job is to take into consideration literally every factor associated with any. Do you want me to action. get the article? Do you want Do you want me to get the the article? Are you that saying that like it? the no, the only reason a NATO intervention happened in Libya is because of um that we were concerned about them making like a gold standard currency? No, of course not. Not the only thing. Well, the how, what proof do you have that it was a significant contributor, considering the fact that there was intervention happening before NATO even got involved? Well, I said that it was a contributing factor. Well, okay, by how much? Do you know? Or was it just written in one document? I'm, I don't... I mean, it was, it was something discussed on the part of the State Department under Clinton. There are probably thousands of emails that circulate the State Department every single day. How do you know how much that influences their decision actually go forward i mean do you, you think said it's, it gave do you NATO think it's the unreasonable do you think it's unreasonable to make the inference based on those communications that one of the things that the u.s and by extension nato was thinking about when they made the move to intervene in libya was the fact that there was a potential economic threat to the u.s dollar regardless of how fruitful it would have been a threat might be overstating it i think that it's the job of the state department to consider every factor involved with any potential foreign interaction and there were probably literally hundreds of things that were bantied about uh pertaining to the validity of nato intervention in uh libya the idea that it was like some kind of like concern to protect like american hegemonic interests i just i don't know if i believe that it seems to, the likeliest explanation for why we got involved in libya was probably more to do with like an oorah humanitarian campaign combined with trying to prevent a refugee crisis um you know isn't that just to say that you think the u.s and by extension nato in these cases had like almost purely noble intentions i i i'm i that strikes me as no offense a little naive Especially no, no, like, they that, only like, wanted to do it to prevent, like, them having the refugees. I don't think they give a fuck if Libyans die. But, like, they, did, they didn't want it to, like, wash across the Mediterranean to affect... But if you, but if you believe Italians. that, then what is... If you believe that, then what is the... Well, I, you're a consequentialist, so I guess we're just circling back to that. But you would agree, at least, that the intentions of the U.S. and NATO um, were likely, at least in part, to be non-noble, a.k.a. They truly did not give a shit about the humanitarian concerns whatsoever. Their concerns were strategic and monetary. I don't think there has ever been a decision made by the State Department that has not been strategic and monetary. Yeah, and in the case of Libya, those strategic and monetary motivations were supported through NATO. 
by which I mean they used NATO as a way of ensuring that their their goals, so to speak, were achieved. Well, there was intervention before NATO, but yeah, NATO was a tool they decided to use. Right. So that would be an example of NATO being something that exercises the will of the United States and the bourgeois. Right? I agree. But without NATO, they could have just done it anyway. And there was intervention before NATO went in there. So why do you think they use NATO as opposed to just sending in like the U.S. Air Force? Um, I think that uh, a NATO operation lends a degree of international legitimacy. Both of the major NATO interventions that we're talking about here have been done under humanitarian pretense. And I think they want to keep NATO's reputation in a post-Soviet world, one more like uh, the UN. Like they want, th when they, they want people to think of NATO interventions. So it's a smoke screen. Yeah, of course. Everything that we do is. But right, I, so I, I think so like you, it's, so you don't you don't think that you don't think that similarly like NATO in in the hypothetical that we were talking about would just be a smokescreen for the West you know quell socialism for instance. I mean, what you're talking about right now is politics. I don't think we can get rid of politics. I'm just saying that because because you seemed you seemed to push back on the idea of people being opposed to NATO on that basis, and yet we've just walked through a case example where the the. NATO served the interests of what Marxists would call the imperialist core, by which I really just mean the U.S. and its its subservient states, right? So it is then reasonable for somebody who perhaps has the objective of establishing socialism to be opposed to NATO on the basis that NATO, by your own admission, can, can and has been used to exercise the will of the U.S., a fundamentally anti-socialist country, right? No, the U.S. can manifest the U.S.'s own will. You keep, you keep coming back to this, like, well, don't you agree NATO serves Western interests? Yeah, I do agree. Always. I've always agreed with that. But I think so, Western interests would exist either way, and I don't think NATO's existence makes the world a worse place. But for all you know, without NATO, uh, America could have just unilaterally gotten involved in Libya, and the death count could have been ten times what it was. For all you know, France could have deployed a peacekeeping force into Yugoslavia and ended up killing 10,000 uh, Serbian civilians rather than 800 and something uh, if there wasn't a NATO framework. You don't know. We can't know. But these numbers to me are infinitesimal compared to the real fact that NATO's existence prevents Russia from invading or otherwise engaging in imperialist action against former Soviet bloc countries, which I don't have to go into any crazy world hypotheticals to justify because it's a flat on its face, real evident consequence of the existence of NATO. If you think if you think that the U.S. could just do that anyway, why isn't the U.S. just doing that now with respect to Russia? Doing what now? Well, your whole it seems like your whole point is that there's nothing NATO is doing or has done that could not have simply been done by the U.S. So why doesn't the U.S. just, you know, counter Russian imperialism then? Oh, you mean like uh, with military alliances um, over in uh, like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, stuff like that? Like, Isn't like that just... Isn't like, that just substantiating the point then that it is it is an arm of the U.S.? It is an arm of the U.S. I've never said otherwise. But you're right. If NATO oh, didn't exist, then oh, America would simply true. create yeah. another NATO. That What you just described is NATO. Like, well, would you agree that if NATO didn't exist, that America would create a military alliance in Europe in order to prevent Russian aggression? Yes, we did it once, and we'll do it again. Do you, th do you think the American military is an obstacle to socialism? Um... No, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Not fundamentally. The American military would exist even if this was a socialist country. You know, 
I might as well get mad at air I in America mean, I mean, because I mean, it allows us I, to breathe. I obviously mean in its current form under the current U.S. government. Do you um, think the, oh. the current, the, in its current form, the U.S. military is an obstacle to socialism? Um, in its current form under the current U.S. government is an obstacle to socialism. Um, not currently, but it very well could be. Yeah, depending on how it's on how not it's used. What do you mean, not currently? Well, right now the military is not being deployed in a fashion which meaningfully opposes proletarian political aims. Uh, within, because every proletarian movement has been squashed or sabotaged, right? Not by our military. Um, well, by by apparatuses that are either the military or serve the military or are conducive to the military, well, like well, the that, CIA. Well, that's like everyone then. If you were going to ask me if the CIA does, then I would have answered yes. The military, is specifically in terms of military deployments, you know, we have the wars we get involved in and the military bases we occupy globally. The military bases that we occupy are kind of like this transactional thing where countries get a fucking huge erection because our troops are on there, but then they pay for our shit. And blah, blah, I mean, blah. we invaded and Vietnam and Korea... You asked and... currently. We didn't invade... Oh, wait, sorry. I okay. thought you said Cuba. My bad. Yes, we did. Um, we did invade Cuba. Yeah. Well, we, no, I, well, we wink, wink, CIA, nudge, nudge. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but, um, I, I mean, you said currently. Like, Korea was 60 years ago. If you were I, to say back then... It seems like what then, you're just saying is, like, it's not a current threat to socialism because there is no meaningful socialist movement right correct. now. Correct. But the point... But, but, you got right, it. Right? But the point is that there's no meaningful socialist movement right now because all previous socialist movements have been squashed by the U.S. military or adjacent Not really the mi- I don't. I don't think the military is it, really. I mean, Vietnam and Korea weren't um, weren't socialist. No, actually, no, you know, I take it back. Our, our intelligence agencies absolutely squash socialism all over the place. I don't think our military, to my memory, really has. The last thing we did, actually, with socialism was bolster it because we bolstered uh, Rojava with U.S. troops before Trump pulled them out. Um... That was the clo- that was the most recent thing we did with socialists, and we were on their side because we had like a shared enemy against ISIS. In terms of opposition to socialism, if you view the Cold War the way I do, which is you had capitalism and like state capitalism, I mean, there's not really any proletarian fight to be had militarily. Uh, we did squash a ton of socialist movements by the CIA. Um, but 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 if you were to ask me how I felt about the CIA, then I would have much more negative words. I mean. I mean, has there has there ever been like a? I, I didn't even say socialist country. I said socialist movement. The socialist was, socialist movement. Yeah, I don't think our mil like what what has our military done? The U.S. I'm military sure was deployed to Vietnam and Korea to to quell a socialist movement. The well, fact that they, they wait they fact, call it socialist. They call modern day China socialist. They those they, countries those countries exist at the time of like the Korean War and the Vietnam War respectively. Those countries were fledgling. They were like nation countries. So to say they weren't socialist. I, I guess because you're referring to like, what do, do you mean like state capitalism essentially? Like they weren't communal means of production were communally owned. Like why, why would you say that? Well, they they were just they, never socialist. The movements weren't even. I read, dude, we read some shit from Ho Chi Minh on stream. Why were the movements not socialist? He was, he was a wacky guy, Ho Chi Minh. Remember that? Or remember the bit? Luna Oi was like, um, it was it was something like, um, uh, there was an order to like seize property from landlords. And then it was like people got hurt and killed and, and, and Ho Chi Minh apologized for people getting hurt and killed. But then we took a look at the order signed by Ho Chi Minh and it was to kill one in every like hundred person or something. Like it was it was basically like we're, we're like ordering the proletarian forces to commit like a mass fucking slaughter of people 
or some shit like that. Some there's some wacky stuff out there. I don't know. Don't you think part of the reason that by that per your lights they they failed to become socialists was a forced response to American imperialism? No, I, I don't believe that bullshit. That forces... I don't believe that bullshit. All I mean, tankies throw that one out every time. It's like um, it's like hey, I can't help but notice the socialist movement never did anything socialist and also did everything anti-socialist, killed Wait. other socialist agitators and also ate babies. And it's like, well. If only America hadn't done something. You know, it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, you it's non-falsifiable. Like, if America hadn't gotten involved, would all those countries be socialist utopias? Uh, like, if you take a look at how principled okay, and that's politically... Not, that's, not, that's not what I said. I merely said that... I, I, the, the phrase that I used was socialist movement, not socialist country. And even if I were to agree that the subsequent states established or how they're maintained post-war you know war, weren't socialist, right? Which is a separate topic. The point is... You would agree at least part of the reason that they exist in the political state that they do now or did post-war was because, on some level, of a perceived threat of American imperialism. I mean, if you're, if you're like the leader of, you know, the DPRK... I mean, if you right, want to say like, perceived like, well, just, threat... Just, 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 just real quick. If, if you're the leader of the DPRK, after the Korean War and how, co how close you came to um, American forces basically pushing you past the Chinese border and taking over North Korea, right... I, I don't know about you, but I would be pretty perpetually shit scared of American military dominance and I mean, force you projection. Can, you can run this like forever if you want, but these are some of the worst countries on earth, right? Like you could you could justify anything um under that framework where it's like, well, if it weren't for Western blah -de blah, like yeah, I don't really care. Like North Korea's on North Korea. I, I don't like they're they're doing shit over there that has nothing to do with Western imperialism. They're a nuclear country that's a satellite state for China. But I We're didn't, not going I to didn't say anything I didn't say anything about the DPRK as it exists currently. But if you look back at the history of the North Korean forces, they weren't ever good. Like, if you want to take a look at like um what happens when good revolutionaries build a country that's bad and hypocritical, look at the American founding fathers. The American founding fathers, for you know, for all the shitty fucking things they did, uh actually were like for the most part pretty principled intellectuals that fought pretty hard to get certain positions, not the abolition of slavery, but certain political positions fulfilled in their new government, you know? And then America turned out to be shit, so whatever, you know. But then you look at like some of these revolutionary groups in Southeast Asia or Latin America or whatever, and a lot of them are barely better than the fascists they're trying to overthrow. And so much of it is this like, well, they could have been better if it weren't for this or this or that or whatever. I just, I, it seems, it seems like it's impossible to find any real answers here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. We should support like lefty politics. We should support things that make the world a better place, like NATO. But I can't really, like, you know, maybe people fear NATO, so that means NATO's bad because they think a certain way about it. Yeah, I think NATO is bad. Well, bad. See, I, I wouldn't use terms that dichotomous. I think people who have an interest in establishing, like, think, you know, things like socialism or backing proletarian revolutions internationally should suppose it, oppose an institution that, one, functions as an arm of the United States militarily, two, as we've agreed, in the event of such an international proletarian revolution, would have no qualms squashing such a revolution. Why do you keep bringing that three, up? That doesn't three, NATO doesn't change that part of the equation. Again, I think the the relevant consideration in bringing up NATO as opposed to just the U.S. is that NATO is a more effective fighting force than the U.S. alone. I just I just don't think there's any possible socialist movement that america couldn't stop that nato could we have nukes if it's a if it's a nuclear thing then 
we can't get involved anyway. And if it's a non-nuclear thing, we have a larger military than, like, everyone else put together. Not really, but, like, we have a huge military, you know. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm just still struggling. It's, it seems like a fundamental disagreement we're having is this idea that... There's, Why do there's you not no care about the to... Eastern Europeans? Like, that's a real thing. And, like, every time I bring it up, you just what brush by What do you mean care? It. What do you mean there, care? There are tens of millions of people alive right now who would probably be like Russian satellite states again or would have been absorbed into the empire. Yeah, I'm opposed to Russian imperialism. But I just NATO, don't think being opposed to Russian imperialism means I have to default to supporting another imperialist Your opposition is worthless if it's not backed up by the means by which you can oppose that. Like, you're basically thoughts and prayersing them at that point. Like, hope Russia doesn't invade you. Haha, <laughs> smile. Like, NATO is how they... I mean, NATO, NATO has not invaded. directly... NATO has not directly intervened militarily in Ukraine, and yet Ukraine seems to be doing pretty pretty well against oncoming Russian forces, right? Why do you think that is? Well, for starters, I think it's fundamentally strategically difficult to take a country and annex it in the first place. I also think the Ukrainians um, have, a, have an advantage in terms of fighting on their home turf, so to speak, much as the Vietnamese did during the American invasion of Vietnam. I think why, there are a lot why do you of think we have to provide them quick, weapons just, at all? Just real, well, well, I think a motivation of the U.S. in terms of well and other countries, right, most of whom are NATO member states, the motivation there is probably the perception that ex Russian expansion is a threat to the interests of the West. Much as at least one reason for Russia's invasion of Ukraine is that they perceive NATO expansion to be a threat to their aims. The point here is that. Neither of these are things that I would support because they're still they're both fundamentally imperialist agendas. All I'm saying is that being opposed to the Russian operation in Ukraine does not mean that I now have to support a militaristic wing of the bourgeois West. Well, you have to support you. you so you, basically you're saying you're opposed to Russia's invasion, but like tough luck. I don't know about tough luck. I think I think we should support Ukrainian workers in defending their country. But support there doesn't mean backing an imperialist institution nor does it mean taking actions that are likely to cause the expansion they of that wouldn't have been invaded if it weren't for nato i mean sorry they well, wouldn't have been invaded if, if if nato was there if they were a part of nato they wouldn't have been invaded they couldn't have been because it would have ended the world what's the relevance i mean like the, the well, potential well, for ukraine the... to the potential for ukraine to ascend to nato right they wanted the to way, be a part of way, NATO. By, by the way, by the way, NATO NATO explicitly said that Ukraine does not like meet membership conditions. Yeah, because they have an the internal point. civil conflict. But the point is, look, you have a bunch of countries that are in NATO, like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and they didn't get evaded. You have the one country in that region that's not allied with Russia that isn't a part of NATO get invaded in this massive fucking war. But this war. is just but this is just talking about like imperialism on a conceptual level. Like if you do you think Europe by which I mean NATO member states um if they perceived they could like invade and perhaps know. perform regime change in Russia absent a nuclear war, do you think they would not do that? If there was no threat of nukes? Yeah. Oh yeah, we we would have done that. I would have supported us doing it too. Yeah, hell yeah. I would have I would have been the most warhawk dude in the universe with that one. You would have wait, you would have supported a NATO invasion and regime change in Russia? Fuck yes. Are you fucking kidding me? Absolutely. Putin's hasn't been that, doing nuclear brinksmanship for ages. You absolutely. Wait, but hasn't look regime change The 51st led, state, let's go. Regime change led by the United States has historically not gone particularly well though. Will be twice primary, as brutal this time. 
primarily for the people who live in that region. The president will announce that civilian casualties will be the goal of the invasion. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get everyone on board with the um, with the fifty first state. What are you What are you talking about? I'm making right a now. joke. Um, no, oh, okay. in, in terms of full military intervention, I would one hundred percent support against Russia if I could. I think Russia is the biggest threat to the world right now, um, like by a huge magnitude. Um, to, but to what to what part of the world? Europe. The, the world, world nukes. They do nuclear brinksmanship for funsies all the time, and they're constantly posturing against NATO. You you think Russia is a bigger threat to every human being on the face of this planet than the U.S. and its allies? Mass by by degree by exponential degrees. Absolutely, we're not nuking the world. Why would we? We control it. Well, I mean, I I guess we're just going to disagree on disagree on. Wait, how, wait, what are we doing that's worse than nuclear war? That's the most. Well, you didn't you didn't let me finish. I was going to say I disagreed to on the extent to which. Putin is like posturing versus telling the truth on that, but that's that's besides the point. I'm just trying to say like I'm just trying to say like what you're I'm just trying to say like what you're advocating for um, a NATO a hypothetical NATO invasion and regime change in Russia absent nukes is like something that has historically gone very 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 poorly for the people who live in regions in which regime change backed by the U.S. has occurred. Well, nuclear war tends to go pretty badly too. Um, like did I like do you? Like, if things didn't go great for, like, the Iraqi or the Afghani people. In fact, Afghanistan actually wasn't even regime-changed uh, permanently, right? And now it's under the Taliban again. We couldn't even beat the fucking Taliban. Look, I'm just, I'm just talking about, not, about preventing nuclear war here, okay? I would do anything to prevent nuclear war, okay? Give me, give me a list of war crimes. I'll treat it like a checklist. I don't care. It's nuclear war, you know? Um, given how Russia's been behaving, unfortunately, like, we're in a really fucking tough position with them right now. Um, but like, yeah, obviously, generally speaking, intervention has disastrous outcomes, especially regime change. It can have good outcomes. Uh, we, we invaded Germany and Japan. They were probably better off for it. You know, so for, you think the removal, you, you think regime change in Russia is justified, even if that regime change were to cause like immense suffering for the Russian people? If it meant like, per, like taking away their nukes, then, uh, yeah. Like Wait, it's, but, it's nuclear but, but war, yeah. That, but that's not even entailed because after the collapse of the Soviet Union, which was a nuclear power, of course, one of the first things that happened was the newly established Russian Federation was unable to really keep tabs on all of its nuclear weapons, mm -hmm. some of which proliferated to parts of the, the region and the world. Um, and their whereabouts to this day, I mean, these are small tactical nuclear devices, to be fair, but their whereabouts remain unknown to this day. It was like a very serious problem um, internationally like in terms of diplomacy for the russian federation post-soviet collapse i don't and what well, you, what now we're just talking about, about logistical stuff like obviously if i i'm just making the case change. against i'm making the case against regime change that's what i'm saying well i think the difference there is that uh, the stuff like that could happen again i think it'd be better even if like some small tactical nuclear weapons ended up making its way to the rest of the world like ending the whole east-west nuclear divide would probably be a good idea. I bet you a lot of those nukes were sold off because, like, yeah, some, like, KGB fucks were, like... Like, it, didn't that happen with fuel for, like, the Z invasion force, right? Like, the same way that fucking Petrov over in um, Belarus was selling fuel out of his tank. I bet you there were some fucks in the post-Soviet Russia who were like, yeah, do the, the five million rubles for this uh, suitcase nuke, you know, and it just, just got lost somewhere. Um... Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Basically, the problem here is Russia. Listen, I just existentially hate Russia now. I'm very Russia, Russia-phobic. But if we, if we could do a full occupation thing, regime change, and then buff them up the way we did with Germany, that'd be pretty nice. 
honest to God, their economy is so bad at this point that uh, doing that probably wouldn't actually worsen things that much for them. So yeah, we'd we'd have to we'd have to find a way. Yeah, I don't I don't want nuclear war. That's my main that's my main thing. Uh, I mean, okay. I mean, we're coming up on three hours now, and I I don't think this is like reconcilable. No offense. I don't think we're just gonna like come to some sort of agreement on our foundation. But do you acknowledge positions. that if Ukraine was in NATO, Russia wouldn't have invaded, right? I mean, I, I think it would be less probable. I just don't think that's the only consideration here. What other consideration is there with the war in Ukraine, whether it could have not You're asking happened? me, you're asking me like, like a war games theory crafting scenario, which, you know, I can agree with like probabilistic outcomes versus non-probabilistic outcomes. But the point is that you're not merely playing war games, you're, you're overtly supporting NATO and advocating for its expansion, which is something very different. No, right? it's That's not. The wait, I can't wait. I genuinely, like, I've been polite, but I genuinely think it's morally reprehensible that your abstract opposition to institutions that are a part of Western hegemony, like, outweighs stuff that could prevent hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians from dying. Like, the idea, like this, I sound, I feel like I'm talking to a religious person who's like, yeah, okay, well, this thing would be good, but it would also go against scripture, you know? Like, you're completely divorced from utilitarian moral calculus, and now it just comes down to this, like, well, okay, maybe that would have been better, but, you know, it's not, like, dialectical enough or something. Which, don't get me wrong, you know, but proletarian outcomes are determined utilitarian in a utilitarian sense as well. There's no... There's no external force to that. I mean, I, I don't think getting rid of NATO or preventing NATO spread to Ukraine would make it better. In fact, Ukraine getting taken over by Russia would make it worse for socialist movements. Socialism does better in the U.S. than it does in Russia, by far. Um, here in the United States, okay, Bernie Sanders uh, gets shafted by the DNC. Uh, in Russia, Putin poisons his political opponents. Uh, in terms of, like, supporting proletarian interests, keeping Ukraine America-friendly is better for them. Um, it's better for us. It's better for everyone, except for Russia, and fuck them, you know? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think we just have a foundational disagreement on, like, Jesus Christ. I think we have a foundational disagreement on, like, what... I don't want to say the calculus, but, like, the, the, the difference between some sort of, like, consequentialist analysis versus, um acknowledging and opposing systemic institutions regardless of isolated incidents where one can justify their actions um and i like i said i don't think but the it's, it's, it's not one can justify it's that as a whole it's good it's like a net good well i, I mean i clearly i don't agree that nato is a net good but well, we we've keep been over... talking yeah it's, uh, i don't know like so we we at least we can agree on the like preventing invasion over in the east or whatever but in terms of like the broader considerations like, in all the social anti-socialist intervention the West has done, like, America does it on its own. We don't need... We don't need NATO to do that. So I don't really think it's that relevant. But there is a real consideration to be had with all the millions of people in Eastern Europe. So, how, like... Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, I, I mean, like I said, you can, know, I... Can I sell you on nothing. NATO being the vanguard of socialism? You want to... Probably not. I mean, I'll <laughs> I'll listen. If uh, are okay. you, is this a joke? Are you serious? No. Okay. So no, what? Of all the world hegemons right now, uh, the West is by far the most permissive of socialism. It feels weird to say, historically considering, but it really is. It basically comes down to us, Russia, and China, and those two countries are fascist, 
uh, political opposition gets locked up there. Here it doesn't, you know? Uh, generally, sometimes there are counterexamples, but for the most part, you can disagree with the government and uh, you, you get to survive that, which is nice. Um, given that, the uh, propagation of Western imperial interests when done in a non-violent way, so I don't think getting countries to sign up for NATO is violent, you know, you, there's a coercive element as there is with all international engagement, um, but I don't think it's, like, we don't invade countries to get them as part of NATO, you know. Given that, nonviolent proliferation of NATO seems like a spread of the set of values which allow socialists to, uh, to, to advocate their political positions. I'm going to be honest, I didn't fully comprehend what you said there, but if the idea is that the, the like, bulwark or the, the greatest, like, aid to the establishment of socialism is a bourgeois, is bourgeois control of means of production and a dickship of capital, I'm just going to disagree. What alternatives um, that's, are there? That's not, that's not to say Russia and China, um, as they exist currently, are socialists. I think China is state capitalist. I think Russia is capitalist. Um, I would just I would just categorize all three countries, U.S., China, Russia, as capitalist. I don't see but the which of those three countries has free speech and doesn't lock up its political opponents. Are you asking me is is political repression more severe in Russia and China than the U.S.? I mean, yeah. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. By a significant amount, like they die over there. You know, like not to say over here we don't have our oopsie whoopsies. What does that What does that have to do with them not being U.S. included in them bourgeois? countries bourgeois controlled dictatorships of capital well we are all capitalist in our own form but one of the capitalist countries with a global hegemon namely us also gives room for political opposition to develop meaningful movements within its borders i have talked to chinese socialists they are thoroughly repressed by the government russian socialists die um so the it seems like even if all of these countries are ideologically aligned with capitalism in some form or another, there's a benefit to the propagation of um, American hegemony because it's the only system currently that has a meaningful presence in the world stage uh, that would allow for socialists to spread their message. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you want me to respond to there. I don't think free speech is like some consideration that quantifiably makes the elimination of of the bourgeois class more likely i think what makes the elimination you of would the disagree bourgeois with class... marx there then that's an anti-marxian position well well you didn't let me finish i think the consideration that is most likely to eliminate bourgeois control of the means of production is class consciousness but class consciousness is not something that isn't historically suppressed in the united states either right there are plenty of incidents where the bourgeois in the united states absolutely tried to quell or suppress class consciousness. The biggest example of that is going to be something like the common term, the suppression of the Black Panthers, the infiltration of the Communist Party US, which at this point is just like a fucking FBI honeypot for all intents and purposes. You realize so, that in, in every respect you've described, America remains superior to China and Russia as alternatives, right? I don't, I'm not disagreeing. Because you're talking about have... free speech right there. Like what you just described is, is free speech, the ability to practice and express your political positions without being arrested. What are you, what are you trying to, are you asking me, do I think US, the US has more free speech than China and Russia based on what I understand? Yeah, I agree. Oh no, that's, I wasn't asking. I know that to be true. What I'm asking you is if you recognize that the presence of free speech in this country relative to them uh, gives greater room for socialist movements to, to grow here. 
Because that was something Marx believed. In fact, Mar Marx actually argued it was possible for a non-violent socialist revolution in the United States because uh, we had such a robust political system for defending contrary speech. That was, that was I mean, there's, that context, was, there's, that, there's context surrounding that excerpt that deals both with Marx's thoughts on like bourgeois democracy overall, as well as Marx's considerations of the U.S. as it existed at the time, which was the early 1800s. We actually have more I, freedom of speech now than we did then. By far. Our considerations are way stronger. I'm pretty sure the Alien and Sedition Act I don't know still... about that. I don't know about, I don't know if that's true, given the intense heightening of American surveillance, especially post 9-11. Well, it doesn't seem like it's surveillance just going to be didn't something... Exist back then. So that's kind of an unfair comparison, right? Like they didn't, they lit, like, sur like that didn't exist back then. So of course that's gone up. But in terms of our ability to practice our free speech, it's gone up massively. Uh, in terms of legal protections, the Supreme Court has consistently reaffirmed a greater and greater degree the extent to which we're able to express our beliefs without being arrested by the police. Uh, the existence of social media technology, unrestricted by the government, as it is in Russia and China to differing extents, allows us to communicate, disagree with each other, spread ideas outside of state control. Um, and the existence of free speech at all, again, here is just miles beyond what China and Russia have. Um, protesters are getting arrested in Russia. Not something we don't do here as well, but people are having their internet histories monitored and are getting like put through kangaroo courts to- uh, I agree, surveillance is intense in Russia and China, yeah. Huh? Quite, quite, quite bad. So given all that, and given the fact that we have plenty of evidence of socialist movements being crushed in Russia and China uh, in ways that haven't happened here in the United States- What, is, what does this have to do with NATO? Well, NATO being a wing of Western imperialism, it seems like NATO, uh, there's a choice for Ukraine, a choice they made back in 2014 to be with Russia or America. America, which represents freedom of speech, freedom of political expression, and Russia, which represents autocracy and fascism. And they rejected in the Euromaidan Russia. And as a product of that, now uh, Western powers are defending them. And as a yeah, product I, of I, that- I would say, I would say I, I'm- I'm probably, I, I think there are a lot of other considerations that go into the probabilistic effectiveness of a socialist movement in a given region. I will agree with you, though, that um, based on what I understand, free speech is preferable in the U.S. relative to Russia and China, of course. I think that's that's pretty much, like, definitively the case. Um, I... I, I would probably need to perform like a more comprehensive analysis based on like the other factors. But are you, if you're just trying to get me to say, do you think we have like more political freedoms, um, particularly concerning like freedom of representation and freedom of speech in the US? Like, obviously, yeah, of course. Okay, I agree completely. And it was identified by most of the founding socialist thinkers, Marx, Engels, Lenin, Kropotkin, um, that the uh, environment in which socialism best develops is bourgeois capitalism. Because A, um, people are put face to face with the class dichotomy that best exacerbates the development of class consciousness. Um, and B, there are elements of liberal democracy specifically, which protect the expression of individual rights, liberties, and perspectives, which is not present with fascism. Uh, Lenin's uh, forces allied with um, liberal forces in Russia to fight against the, uh, what was it, the Black Knives, the fascists. Um, Lenin wholeheartedly, uh, whole uh, whole my God, wholeheartedly endorsed um, the weaponization of the, um, I think it was the British Labour Party in their opposition to conservatives within that country because he believed that even the milquetoast uh, social democrats of the Labour Party at the time would be a preferable medium for socialist advocacy. Um, 
so on and so forth. You know, Marx, uh, uh, so on. Oh, uh, Mao in China. Mao allied, I believe, um, with the um, with the imperial government to fight against uh, colonizing forces uh, at a point. Uh, against against Japan, they allied against I'm, Japan. I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to be an asshole at all. I, I enjoy talking to you. I'm just I'm I'm amused because I think some of your some of your peeps came over to chat and they think I'm a I'm a tanky, which is a hilarious accusation, uh, given the content that I make. I just oh so they're I, feisty. I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm trying to focus as much as possible. It's just very amusing. No, it's okay. Um, I'm just rambling at this point. Anyway, so just just to conclude, um, an, a, a a NATOist world is a socialist world. I mean, I. I understandably like i i would disagree um respectfully though i enjoyed the conversation we're going on like i think four hours it's been a while um, i enjoyed the conversation as well i appreciate you speaking with me yeah i it was like mostly civil and i think you it was a good talk i think a lot of people learned a little bit about politics and i don't we we clearly do not agree but um you know hope maybe we have another discussion in the future that is more like focused or something, but I'd be happy to. Um, and I enjoyed the conversation. All right. Pleasure talking to you, Vash. Have a wonderful evening. You as well.